I always used to give Owen Sheehan a good bit of grief for his power rankings. They aren't easy, Will. As a group, as players, we have not done one minute of video analysis of any team this year. The Club Championship Show. Subscribe to the GEA podcast feed on the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM. With Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. Yes, indeed. Jer. I, I, around the world with Hannon. Are we going with that name? I think we are. Hannon around the world? Hannon around the world. I mean, there's so many options. Yeah, we'll, we'll come up with something. But around the world with Hannon, it is for now. We decided we needed a quirky new segment because there's plenty of sporting stories from around the world. See what I did there? Uh, that we miss during the week. We just don't get time to talk about them. I'm like, that's a shame. We should have time to talk about them. Uh, and this is the segment where we'll do it. So it's going to be a weekly segment. Quirky sporting stories from around the world that you may have missed. I mean, it's going to be a weekly segment if it works, Shane. If it works. The, the, the uh, YouTube commenters will decide. Exactly. It could be a one-week segment. And if it is, <laughs> so be it. Uh, we're going to start, Jared, this week in the United Kingdom. Because a debate raged on social media this week. Kind of signalled on... Uh, I think Eurosport had a bit of a conversation around this. It was the snooker coverage at the Scottish Open last week. And they thought they were, uh, someone had a one four seven. Judd Trump, I think it was. And they were like, which is the harder skill? one four seven maximum break in snooker. Nine darter in darts. Or a hole-in-one in golf. Now, Sean Murphy, the 2005 World Snooker Champion, ha- had an opinion on this. So this is his tweet. He says, as the only person that I know of to have completed all three of these... The correct order is, in difficulty, 147 is the hardest, 9 darter is the second hardest, and a hole-in-one in golf is the third hardest of three. Anyone else out there achieved all three? Membership to this exclusive club remains open. So Sean Murphy, of course, World Snooker Champion, has had plenty of uh, maximum breaks. Uh, decent pub darts player as well, and has hit a 9 darter. And uh, he plays off scratch in golf. Tried to qualify for the British Open, I think, a number of years ago. Did he? He's unbelievable at golf. Right. Um, so plays a lot in Ireland as well, living in, in, in Dublin. Um, big into his cars as well. He's one of these annoying people who's an all-rounder. Uh, but but Sean Murphy said it is the toughest, the one four seven. You have to hit fifteen reds, followed by fifteen blacks, and then the six colours. So you're talking thirty six shots. Is he not biased though? Is that not the thing that he does all day every day? And so therefore he's like, this is my thing's the hardest. Have you ever noticed a midfielder always picks midfielders from man of the match? Yeah, fair. A back row always picks back rows from man of the match. Goalkeepers are like, oh, what a great goalkeeping performance. <laughs> Nobody else could ever have done that. I did see a couple of darts players who uh, were professing that the nine darter was, was tougher. But that's that's nine shots into the trebles, which is tough. And then the hole-in-one. I mean, I've met some golfers who are only very average golfers who fit holes-in-one. Yeah. That's that's, that can be luck. It's fluky. Yeah, I mean, you're going around 18 holes. John Rahm's hole-in-one at um, and the practice round for the Masters where he pings it off the water. Ah, that's skill. Right. Well, that, well, that's insane. But... It's also a fluke. It is, yeah. Uh, th- this whole debate led to Ronnie O'Sullivan on TV as well, saying he had started um, playing a bit of darts. He's taken a lesson. He's called out Michael Van Gerwen on, on social media for Gerwen responded and said they could do a, a darts match for, for charity. For nine ninety nine, Of course. Oh, 100% for charity. For the, this Why is, is the, about charity? The match between... Don't yeah. be giving the shit away, lads. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, um, Gallagher, one of the, St- Stephen Gallagher, I think it is, the, the golf golfer, he said he's a fan of snooker, but he thinks the hole-in-one is toughest. So he said he finds it hard to adjust looking at the object ball rather than the white ball in snooker, uh, but that from his point of view, a hole-in-one is much harder. Now, I want to get John Murphy on the show at some point on this because he is qualified. I mean, he's done all three. Now, the pub one, the darts one, apparently was in front of his mates and his mates can vouch for it, so there's no video proof of it. Uh, and I'm sure he said holes in one. So what, what is a nine dart just for those of us who don't have a clue what you're talking about? So, uh, all in the trebles. So... 
uh, treble 20, treble 20, treble 20. Then you can go treble 20, treble 20, treble 20 again, or you can go to the treble 19s. So you've got to get 180. Exactly. Now you've got to get... Um, well, you get 180 and then a 178. What's the total number you're trying to get? Uh, so you're trying to get 501. Okay. Uh, so then you'll have the checkout of three darts, which is the toughest part probably at the end. It's probably another treble 20. It's probably... Uh, another treble somewhere in a do- depending on your maths you can do whatever checkout you want you can you can play it to some level so getting 501 in 9 darts essentially because yeah, well, say some darts the phrase are, the 9 dart finished I've heard that yeah but of course I was like I mean it sounds like it's you know, <laughs> tricky but yeah and darts is tough I mean for anyone who's, who's tried to play it it's not easy especially when you've had a couple of pints in the pub which is generally when you're going to play a bit of darts uh, it doesn't help when the board is kind of swinging in front of your face uh, well it's just your eyes um, from the couple of pints but and then darts players can kind of control it in that, say you're good on a double 12, you're going to aim to finish on a double 12 and do the maths to finish that way. You're going to I'm going to leave that, I'm going to go for that to finish double 12 or double 7 or whatever it might be. Um, whereas in snooker, the one four seven, you're at the beck and call of the ball. Now, if you have good cue ball control, you can control that yeah, to Yeah, the only extent. thing is that like every frame you start, there's a possibility of a one four seven. There's a possibility... But every uh, there's a possibility like, of a nine dart or an, does or the a nine dart have one. to come? Uh, you know, we're not the the one in the pub doesn't count. It has to be under pressure no. in a match. There was a great one in the World Championship last year uh, at Ali Pali where I can't remember. Uh, apologies to the player, but he, he hit one in a deciding leg of a match. Which right, is, and does it not happen all the time? Um, quite regularly, but it, like it's, every match there's one. No, not every match. Certainly not every match. Right, it's probably akin to a one four seven, and it doesn't happen. You see it happen in maybe once a tournament if you're lucky. Is that all? Well, one four seven certainly. What are they doing? You might go. <laughs> Come on! You try. You pick up a snooker cue or, or a. Or no, a dart. no I'm, I'm talentless. I mean, these guys are—they have some talent, and they don't do anything else. Well, we'll talk to John Duggan about this when he comes in. But he, he made the point in the, the office this morning that it's not a sport if you don't have to change your shoes. Um, I was disgusted and flabbergasted that he would come out with such a comment. But we'll talk to John okay. later and uh, okay. control that one. So everybody can can vote. Exactly. Let, let us know your votes and might might take this further with Sean Murphy and maybe a darts player at some point to see. You know, can we get a debate flying on air? Because it's 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 definitely it's look it's a hypothetical. No one's ever going to agree on this, but I think there are opinions that are more equal than others. In my opinion, it is one four seven followed by the nine darter followed by golf hole one. That's what just my opinion, Jer. Next up, we're going to Mexico around the world. See what I did there? Geography. You're you're already behind the eight ball here. Um, yeah, of course, Mexican way of art. No, hang on. Danny Mac one says around the world. We'll start in the UK. It's like, well, you know, it's just easing you into it, Danny. Yeah, exactly. Calm down. UK. Mexico, not the UK. Yeah, UK's in the world, isn't it? It exists. Um, Mexico, Mexican wave. So some iterations of the Mexican wave have appeared at the World Cup of Guitar. It's it's led to some detective work by me, but it's also kind of asked me the question: what's what's the point of them? When are they okay? When are they allowed? So. Um, most sports historians, Jer, claim that the wave began to surface internationally during the 1986 World Cup. First time we, we saw it, so broadcast fans around the world. So many people think North America was where the origins of uh, the Mexican wave came from. So Mexico, of course, made the quarterfinal of the World Cup in 86. Their joint best performance at a World Cup. In the US, they call it the wave, whereas in Mexico it is known as La Ola, which translates as wave, funny enough. Uh, it rose to prominence in the 80s, but it had already actually become prominent a decade before the 86 World Cup, as I found out. So, believed to date back to the late 1970s, still in North America, at sporting events, the earliest video footage we have of Mexican Wave is 1981, nationally televised baseball game, the Oakland Athletics against the New York Yankees, and the American cheerleader Crazy George Henderson is credited by fans in the US for creating the Wave. So this was the, the creator. Crazy George Henderson doesn't get enough credit, I think, for, for creating one of the great sporting moments in the crowd. 
Yeah, you know, you know that um, if you could go back and kill baby Hitler, would you do it? <laughs> a lot of people are like, oh, crazy George Henderson. Yeah, no, stick, stick him on the list first. Possibly. Now, he, he, he actually worked on the wave after that baseball game. Uh, there was an NHL game. In, I'm getting in trouble, aren't I? You're probably getting in trouble, yeah. Uh, in, in Alberta, the Edmonton Oilers star Wayne Gretzky met crazy George Henderson in the post-game locker room, invited him to dinner. They discussed the wave. Colorado Rockies game, late 1980. A delayed response from some fans. They were like, what is going on here? And then it took a few laps of the, of the stadium for them to, to cop on. So my, my, my question for yourself and for the public, Jerry, I guess, is do you partake no. in Mexican waves? No. no. What are your opinions on it? Does it only happen when a game is crap yeah. or when the majority of fans yeah. are neutral? Uh, when a game is crap. When people are bored. They're, they're, look, no, I'm, I'm generally against it. Your kids not enjoy it. They do, unfortunately. And, and I have been, I've obviously been remiss in my job as a parent. Like, oh, this is exciting. What is this? And I'm like, okay. You tell oh, them to sit down. Well, I mean, you know. There was definitely a match we were at where we were getting booed for not doing the wave. What was that? Was it, uh, in the Aviva? It was Lanzar Road. Yeah. Before, before it was the Aviva. I have a vague recollection of like, there being a wave going on with us. Like, no, this is nonsense. What are you doing? I, funny, I, I oh. see the I see the Mexican wave kind of like mass. So when I was a kid, I like I loved the Mexican wave and it was a bit of crack. The same as like when I was a kid, I used to go to mass and you'd be looking around at people and thinking, no, oh, this is something different. And then when you get a bit older, you're like, this is a load of crap. This is a load of crap. Yeah. I, I, this doesn't make sense. I got why, sold a pup. Yeah, why are we doing this? So in that way, kind of, they're, they're a bit similar. But yeah, I think I reached a certain age where I was like, why, why are we... Can we, can we just sit down and enjoy the match even if it's a crap nil-nil can we just a goal could happen and we could miss it because you idiots are standing up and I mean it's alright what is it it's just this hey you have to do that sorry we did it the wrong way right? you have to start it Jericho so I, then I have to go like this yeah, you obviously I have to do the two hands yeah of course yeah, but right. that, pff, ridiculous right. so crazy, crazy George Henderson is, yeah. is the one who uh, to remember and also they don't call it the Mexican wave because they're a bit Bit thick in America. Yeah, that's that's the only reason we the we looked into it. and We just found out they're a bit thick, and they they you know they don't want to. Yeah, all, all. fair. La Ola, it's called in Mexico. We'll move on because I don't want to talk about the Mexican wave anymore. To Boston, the Royals were at an NBA game courtside, and nobody cared. Yeah, so Prince William, um, not Royals anymore. Not Royals anymore. Of course, uh, Prince William and are they not Royals anymore? No. Prince oh, William. William. Sorry. William, sorry yeah, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah, of course. My royal knowledge wouldn't be great, but. I was, I was like, really? Something happened that I that I missed. So not Harry, not Harry. Williams in America. William and Kate were on a trip. Ah, here, to you're Boston. making me pay attention. I'm, I'm, come on. Yeah, get yeah. through this bit. Yeah, bit of a stateside trip. Um, so the teams were, of course, asked after the match. This is a, a Boston um, fifth straight win for Boston as well. So the Celtics are on a bit of a roll, but the team, of course, in the, the post match press conferences, are asked, "Oh, how do you feel about playing in front of? I know you're playing for the celebrities all the time, courtside, but Prince William and." Kate Middleton were here um, and they clearly weren't very starstruck by the attendance of British royalty so Joe Mazzulla responded with some humour he said he was, he was asked about royalty being at the match and he goes Jesus, Mary and Joseph I'm only familiar with one royal family I don't know too much about them but hopefully they're Celtics fans so clearly he's, he's a religious man and didn't like uh, William and Kate being referred to as, as royalty Jalen Brown scored 26 points in this win for the Celtics over the heat uh, despite battling foul trouble he was asked afterwards and he shrugged and said just a regular game to me um, none of them gave the, the press the reaction they wanted like, oh my god yeah it was so amazing to play in front of the Royals uh, we, so this, uh, they got the special treatment it was the Celtics Heach matchup at TD Garden next to the Boston bench as well by the way so good seats um, and it was a short video clip here of Prince William in the crowd uh, mouthing uh, he's very good so can we just play the clip I might have to play that again just so people can catch that but 
Do it again. So clearly clapping a, a lovely point from the Celtics, and he's very good. Very posh, um, very uh, good seats for the Royals as well, but I guess my point here was, no one cares about celebrities in the crowd. They didn't have uh, William Pegg for a uh, basketball fan. No, Harry, Harry and Meghan I can see at the, at the basketball matches, for sure. But um, yeah, I, I was quite surprised by that, to say the least. So, uh, the Royals and celebrities at basketball matches, no one cares. Okay. You're there. Next up, we're going back to Qatar. Or two guitar. Uh, strange complaints, Jared, from players at the World Cup uh, regarding paint on the pitch. Go on. Okay, so FIFA have denied using paint on World Cup pitches. A number of players complained of strange stains on their kit. And this isn't a Gary Lineker job with uh, stains on the wrong side of the kit. But uh, some players wondering if, if ground staff had used an unorthodox approach to covering bare pitches. You'll see in England the green uh, kit there. A bit of green on uh, Luke Shaw's number three jersey or uh, shorts. Um, we know at the Masters, uh, some of the, the bare turf is covered in green paint to maintain this pristine look at Augusta. Uh, but not usually uh, used in football. FIFA insists it's not being used in Qatar. They'd say, though, they are using green paint, paint in warm up areas. Which would lead you to believe you probably yeah. use it on pitches as well. It's a gateway drug. It's exactly. Uh, but the perimeters of the pitch where substitutes prepare themselves for action, they're saying, yeah, there's green paint there. Uh, players have been coming back to the dressing rooms wondering why there are so many stains on their kits at this World Cup. Um, this is after the England and Senegal teams, of course, before their last 16 tie. Uh, some concerns over the Albite Stadium turf ahead of their last 16 game. The Times claiming earlier the weekend, the pitch worn very quickly during the World Cup group stages and all, a lot of the pitches over in Qatar. And look, the weather is humid. Uh, albeit the air conditioning and to have in stadiums so the pitches may not be in a pristine condition uh, Brazil have complained as well but FIFA insists they have the, thing, the whole thing under control uh, so that is the situation in Qatar Ger. I mean looks better on telly looks better on telly uh, victimless crime I think they should just admit and, and say yeah we use green paint who cares uh, finally we're going around the world again North America to San Francisco did Steph Curry make five in a row from 90 feet no. Ah. He didn't. So I watched the first two and was like, oh, that's pretty impressive, and then moved on. Yeah. So it was very, very, very impressive. Still counts as a view. It does. Sports Illustrated did this, uh, did this video, this viral video. I guess you'd call it a deep fake. Um, but the video in question, confirmed by the Warriors as fake, a few hours after the clip started making rounds on social media. So this was after the, the Warriors' 112-104 to 104 loss to the Indiana Pacers on Monday night. At the Chase Warriors Center. have gone to shit. What's going on? I don't know what's happened there. Like, Steph Curry's literally playing better than he's ever played. Yeah. And they can't win a game <laughs> to save their lives. Yeah. Maybe he's distracted by being involved in potential viral videos. Who knows? Uh, but he's, as you say, playing well. Um, he was asked about it by reporters after that match against the Pacers. He said, the doctored, the edited, the cgi video. Nobody believes I made five in a row from 90 feet. He occasionally does it at the end of his pre-warm-up routine, where he goes full court. He's yet to make it from full court in his warm-up. Apparently he hit the backboard against Chicago Bulls before the game last week. Um, he says, I let them be the judge of that, but it's an ultimate compliment to probably be amazed by it, but not think it's outlandish. That's the point here. Everyone thought it was real because it's Steph Curry. If this is anyone else, you would not think it's real. Uh, but we had some fun with it. The Sports Illustrated team coming with some heat. I did make two of them, just in case anybody was wondering. I used them all then. I didn't make any tonight in terms of his look. So apparently he made two, uh, but the Sports Illustrated video, which we have for you here, would suggest that he made all five. Tell me this doesn't look real. It looks totally real. Why are Sports Illustrated doing this? I what's don't know. The, what's the benefit? A viral clip, I guess. There's one. So that looks pretty real. He's walking back over to pick up another ball. Does it not make you a little bit concerned about Sports Illustrated? Possibly. Nearly hit the roof there. So this one, I think, number three, starts out left and appears to tail right quite quickly, which... Led looks to totally real to me. Still, I mean, still I can't tell. And he's cheering as well each one. There's number four, labbed in. And the way he runs off after this number five one would suggest... That's five in a row, as Steph says. Boom, he's out the door. 
I'm so sad that they've confirmed that it's uh, it's not real. But um, maybe someday. And as he, as he said himself, he made two of them. Deep fakes are dangerous, folks. Yeah. Are you not worried about the combination of deep fakes and AI? Uh-huh. Is it not? And the explosion of it? You're not a little bit concerned about, oh, we don't need regulation, that's censorship. It's like, yes, yes, it is censorship, because uh, you guys are all crazy. Right, handling around the world. First episode, leave the last. OTB AM. With Gillette, get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. 